Okay, Gareth, let's just do this. Let's record a podcast. Let's drop <gasps> what we were just talking about. I'm making some tea. Okay, so this is Tyler Murphy. You're listening to the Lonely Painter Podcast. Garth and I are going to do another little episode here. And Okay, so I think that we should start with... I've written a little bit of something about G.K. Chesterton. It's not really finished, but we can uh, springboard off of that. And then let's talk about our floating experience. Floating? Oh, that was amazing. From yesterday. Okay, so what I would like is to... I, I want with the podcast to like give something substantial each time, and then and then maybe move into something, something at least that we put some thought. Into. thought. Okay, and sounds good. Let's we'll see if I into it. Yes, yeah. worth talking about. Okay, so I'm going to pause <clears throat> this real quick and get my computer out, and then I can read what I've written about Chesterton's book, Heretics. Okay, and once again, we are recording on my cell phone. Sorry about that. If this sound quality is pretty bad. Um, okay, next week for sure, I'll, I'll remember to have my little adapter so we can... It's annoying that Max, uh, you know, I, now you have to have all these adapters so that you can use USB things. Yeah. So, um, okay, so this is just some... I've been reading, Garth and I have both been reading uh, Heretics by G.K. Chesterton. You just picked this up at Barnes & Noble the other day. And uh, I'm interested in Chesterton because Zizek is influenced by Chesterton. And I know that like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were also highly influenced by Chesterton. And I, I just never really have given him much, much time or any time. But I have to say, he's really good. He's very clever. Yeah, it's it's really good so far. So um, I'm just like five chapters into Heretics. but So here's kind of what I've written so far. This has been what's been going through my head as I've been reading it. So I'm kind of thinking about how I'm these days uh, more and more increasingly interested in um, understanding an author's kind of basic beliefs. Uh from which that author writes. So maybe like you could say, what's the gambit? What's the bet? What's the claim by which every word that they choose aims towards proving? Uh, what are the stars by which the author navigates the world? So in his book, Heretics, G.K. Chesterton writes, a man with a definite belief always appears bizarre because he does not change with the world. He has climbed into a fixed star, and the earth whizzes below him like a zoetrope. It's only when we can clearly pinpoint and articulate a position held by the other that we can then agree or disagree with it. So Chesterton critiques the position of uh, Bernard Shaw, which I don't really know who that guy Bernard is. Bernard Shaw, right. Okay. Uh, don't know much about him. But uh, for Chesterton, the star in which Shaw has attached himself is that of the ideal of the Superman. Uh, so to quote Chesterton again, Shaw, who had to all appearance mocked at the faiths in the forgotten past, discovered a new god in the unimaginable future. He who had laid all the blame on ideals set up the most impossible of all ideals, the ideal of a new creature. Um, 
<coughs> so, so I'm kind of thinking about like what is the star by which I navigate? Or um, uh, Garth and I just went to went to uh, church on Sunday, and the sermon was about corners, uh, the cornerstone of the temple, and how Peter in in some of his writings is talking about. Actually, I don't know if it's Peter, but anyways, in in one of the Peters in the New Testament, mm-hmm. it's talking about how okay the temple's been destroyed, yeah, Peter, but yeah. but that this new thing called Christianity means that the temple is built within the uh, inside the believers inside it's yeah like, it's all in the of person us. instead of being this external building yeah, yeah. Um, so. And, and I, I, there were a few points from the sermon that I really liked. That actually Chesterton basically says the same thing. So, so I'm I'm kind of asking myself in life, like, what are the stars by which I navigate? Uh, on what cornerstone have I built my knowledge? Just as a star gives direction to the sailor, so the cornerstone orients a building. So when you lay the cornerstone of a building, it it then that's where you're going to start when you build something. Yeah, if that's not set properly, then everything else. That you build off, it will be crooked. It will be leaning the wrong way, or it will be unstable. I mean, it's just a foundation, basically. But like, they show the picture, like everything rests on that stone. Well, it, it literally determines the direction that yeah, the building will exactly. will be pointed in the in the various directions. So it orients the building. Mm. Okay, so uh, uh, back to Chesterton again. Here he says. Uh, when Christ, at a symbolic moment, was establishing his great society, he chose for its cornerstone neither the brilliant Paul nor the mystic John, but a shuffler, a snob, a coward, in a word, a man. All the empires and, and the kingdoms have failed because of this inherent and continual weakness. What they were founded... Uh, the, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> okay, all the empires... And the kingdoms have failed because of this inherent and continual weakness, that they were founded by strong men and upon strong men. But this one thing, the historic Christian church was founded on a weak man, and for that reason it is indestructible, for no chain is stronger than its weakest link. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm wanting to look at, like, what is the weakest link within us, and 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 can we build upon that? So perhaps we should take a Take a sober look at the weakness of man and know it well. And I would say that our weakness is this, um, our desire to be like God. So thus, like, you know, I guess if if Shaw is interested in this Superman idea, then that's not really anything new. It's just a repetition of this desire to be like God, to bring about this Superman uh, new existence. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Chesterton goes on to write, I haven't really worked this into my little, into my little notes here, but, uh, he, he writes later, uh, oh, cause he, then he goes on to talk about H.G. Wells and he's pretty complimentary of H.G. Wells, except that he, he sees that Wells lacks, uh, a grounding in the belief of original sin. And so mm. when H.G. Wells talks of utopias, he, he seems to overlook uh, kind of innate folly or innate... Or innate alienation. Yeah. 
um, are not at oneness with ourselves. And we, we can talk more about, to me, what how, different ways of talking about original sin. Um, but the, so Chesterton says, and the weakness of all utopias is this, that they take the greatest difficulty of man, uh, which is original sin, and assume it to be overcome, and then give an elaborate account of the overcoming of the smaller ones. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, that's, I, I've just been interested in, can we, can we, um, pinpoint the, uh, what I've heard called like the hermeneutic key Mm -hmm. or the founding principle that, that a writer works from, or that an author or a thinker philosopher is kind of working from. Or even that in your own life, what is that thing that you're just, you're coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for me, actually, original sin is that, which, so it's really nice reading this and going, oh yeah, and kind of seeing that reflected back. For me though, original sin is the same. To to believe in original sin, which I kind of want to separate that from like morality. Mm-hmm. It's more of an, ex, when I say it, and the way I think of it is, it's more of an existential um, condition mm-hmm. rather than, morality doesn't really come into it until we start to try to close that gap between us and God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, us in that it's, it's the, actually it's the inability to accept our imperfection that kind of leads to a lot of destructive stuff. So, so when I say original sin, it's, it's not really talking about morality there. It's more talking about existential angst, ontological lack mm-hmm. subject as uh, subject divided um, uh, I think people also think of like Freud's theory of the unconscious is real similar um, this not at oneness with yourself yeah exactly that's what I was thinking this whole time it's just sort of to use a really technical term sense of okayness you know with everything and when I, the interesting thing, the kind of overall thing that I always get, from, but wouldn't it, it would be like a not okayness? Oh, exactly, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> the sense of like I'm not okay. There's something missing, sure. Sure. something lacking. I mean, that idea you could say like starts the whole the whole thing off with like um, the serpent comes to Eve, and it's like if you do this, you'll be like this thing, kind of right. implying that you're not. You know, you'll know all this and blah blah blah. blah. And then the second they get done, they both very much recognize that they are not. You know, that thing. Mm-hmm. And so that they're not, they're still not whole and complete. Yeah, exactly. That they are not okay. You yeah. know, that things are wrong. And then it's all almost the whole Bible at some level is in trying to say, like trying to get to this state of okayness. I mean, you could say that with like the law, like, do these things and you'll be okay. If you don't do these things, it's going to go really bad for you. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, to me, I would almost say that the law is kind of, it's like, all right, you need something like, no, <laughs> because, uh, Oh, well, it's, it's, it's almost like it hedges them from going crazy. Yeah. Well, it I mean, keeps it's them from like, it's know, like one of those things you don't like, have to rebuild the is, wheel all the time. Right. It's like, right. You don't have to be like, wait, does this work? Oh, no, it doesn't work. And then you well, do that every generation. Right. It kind of keeps you from going crazy when yeah. like some disaster befalls you Yeah. and like there's drought and floods and stuff and you go, what if we start killing babies or yeah. like <laughs> sacrificing, <laughs> you know, women, like. 
Yeah. When you have a law, then that actually, it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we know that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. We know we yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you know, so that kind of idea, um, the idea of just not being okay, is one of the reasons I really like uh, Chesterton. Because he's always kind of flipping on on its head the idea of, like, what you think okay is versus, like, or what we value. Like, we think it's this. You know, we think humility is this. It's actually this. We think it's this. It's actually. And he's just doing that all the time. And even we talked a little bit last week, the idea of, like, you know, we think the guys who are so... Um, or the people who are so powerful and interesting are the ones or who can just travel the world and they go and experience all these different things. And he's like, I think it's the people who can just stay in the same spot and just really plant themselves yeah. to really look at the world and that they actually have the power of the universe at their fingertips and, you know, their ability to find beauty in the small garden rather than have, having to go see everyone else's. Right. Right. And, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, that's kind of interesting like so that idea, I think is you see that over and over again in what he's talking about. But then, like in the idea of, um, he started talking about, or what I started thinking of was, you get that sense in the church or in in the whole ministry of of Jesus. It's not like, oh, if uh, like the continual thought is like if you just do these things, if you can learn this, then you'll become a gifted member of society. Sort of like with Peter, like, well, to be a great. Um, uh, foundation for the church you're gonna have to be the strongest thing you have to be the smartest thing we'll educate you we'll do all these things and instead it's like no the foundation's built on something fairly weak yeah and it's actually very in a way is very affirming of the even in in the midst of the weakness and whatever else the okayness of man in, in yeah. a way and i think like i said you see that idea again and again and again because you'll see like the church always has the problem with like um i don't we were talking about this the other day where somebody's doing something wrong and, you know, they'll come into the church and you're like, oh, it's fine. You're accepted. But I'm really going to need you to change, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, totally, you can come in as long as you promise to quit that thing in a reasonable amount of time. You know? mm-hmm. And, um, but it's interesting in the church, you don't get that sense in the ministry of Jesus. No matter what, it's just like, all right, we'll go and sin no more. Just stop. You know, well, with the woman call it. The Wait, how, how is that? Okay. Well, that's, that's the interesting <laughs> thing. Okay. So, so it's like, it's, what do I say? It's sort of, I don't know, I want to say that. It's sort of like, it's not in the same thing of like, like we tend to hear that it's like, stop, don't do that, follow the law. You know, it, it's, but it's not like with the woman caught in adultery is the, the one that comes to my mind. Or in um, Zacchaeus, I think is the two, or Matthew, I don't remember. Anyway, so the first one is a woman caught in adultery. They're like, let's stone her. And he's like, no, you know, let, he is without sin, cast the first stone. Everyone leaves. And then she goes up to him, and he's like, no one's here. He's like, then neither do I condemn you. Go and, um, go and, uh, you know, sin no more. That's just the end of it. It's not like, we'll do this, and don't do this, and this is what that's going to look like. It's just like, just go and sin no more. And it's almost implied, like, that she'll know what that means, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah the I same guess, thing I guess with, maybe, what is the power just in, like, hey, I'm God, and I accept you, just as you yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, that's and kind of the thing, like... Acceptance, like, she actually... If she yeah. has that acceptance, then, like, the, yeah. the temptation or what, I don't know. The, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, it's it's funny when it's said that way, because I guess for me, I don't hear that as, like, no, stop sinning, you know? It's just, like, it's a sort of drive to, like, you know, be, you know, what are you, to be who you are, you know, well, be who you've been made to be, sort of thing. Okay, let's go back to the definition, to thinking about sin as perhaps not a moral thing but actually as alienation or separation yeah. from god 
But if Jesus right then and there is like cool with being ne- right next to her and standing next yeah, to her there's just, just as long. So then he's basically he's taken away that separation, that yeah. alienation. So it's like, just be with me. Yeah. So go yeah. and remain with me. Keep this, keep this, uh, like, remember that I was still with you. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, it's the same thing with, I don't remember if it's Matthew or Zacchaeus, both tax collectors. Everyone's like, terrible guys, taking bribes, always taking more money than they need, and everyone hated them. Um, but, so, you know, Jesus goes to meet with them, and everyone's like, what's that about? These guys are the worst, you know, why is he doing that? But I, I don't believe he even says anything like, go and sit no more. But just in the fact that he's been, he has gone there and been with them, they say a few things, and then out of nowhere, the guy's like, you know what, I'm going to give back all my money. He just makes that decision. Mm-hmm. It's never really asked for. It might be a sort of, I don't remember it exactly. It might be a sort of like go and no more thing, but he never says, you need to do this. And once you do this, then you can, then you're back in, then you're redeemed and then I'll be okay with you. Because there's no sense of that at all. It's like, it's been, mm-hmm. you know, the hand's been extended from Jesus to the tax collector. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give back all this stuff. And it's, I don't know, like I said, there's, it's, it, it is affirming to me, it is affirming more the, the, you could say the okayness, you know, whatever the, uh, the lack or the, the fear that w- that drew, drove the woman into adultery or whatever, and then um, the tax collector as well is kind of satisfied in that moment, and then out of that, they're like, okay, well then now I can do this. Now I'll live this way. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like I said, it that is me, so affirming an okayness rather than than pointing out a, I guess in a way, I don't know. It, you could say it's just like you're not you're you're not doing what you know you want to be doing. You could say that, or you're not doing what you know you could be doing. Like, yeah. there's that sense of, like, you know that you're doing wrong. Like, people tend to know that. And so, well, I feel like sometimes when you give them options, like, you can do this. Like, you can do the bad thing that you know you don't like doing, but you do because you're afraid. And that, you know, it seems like the best option at the time. But, or you could do this thing that you really know you should be doing. And it's like, I don't know, in that moment, like, you know, do that thing. And they're like, okay. Feeling that confidence, feeling that something, that affirmation. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the way I think of it is that maybe we do change and are able are able to kind of change the course of our lives when we when grace comes in when we experience grace. Yeah, and that's I think what we get that get a depiction of with Jesus there at the well with the woman yeah. and hanging out with uh, hanging out with these other people that he has that he has. Yeah acceptance for them mm-hmm. and grace i don't know if you would agree with this but uh for Tillich, you know grace is the acceptance of acceptance yeah and and so it really is this amazing feeling i mean the, the example i've used a couple times is like when at story night i i think that the room is a pretty accepting room mm-hmm. but people come mm-hmm. in there and they're they're um maybe first timers and they're scared to stand up and talk in front of people. Yeah. But then something happens maybe towards the second half of the night and they have actually experienced grace where they accept the acceptance of the room. Yeah. And it's it, that kind of happens also within families, I think, where like there is acceptance for the wayward son. Yeah. But it's only until the wayward son accepts the acceptance that grace is actually experienced like fully. Yeah. And that then 
maybe like what you're saying, they really are able to to walk away from the paths of their life that they had chosen. Yeah. And, well, and kind of, and yeah. Yeah. Go a new way. Well, I think, <clears throat> well, I guess, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to go off of that idea. I'm not going to go too much on what you just said, but on the, the idea of, okay, like with, with the Superman thing that George Bernard Shaw brings up, it's this idea of like in the future, at some point there will be this sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like the savior, you could say is in the future, like wants mankind, which is kind of tempting to think because you're like, well, you know, we're getting more technology. We're getting smarter. For the most part, more and more people are getting out of poverty. Like if we all just can kind of work ourselves together here, we could become this great thing. And I think that's, what's really interesting about, you know, again, um, what Chesterton's saying and really like civil crisis saying where it's like, it's this point of now. You know, it's like the kingdom is at hand, sort of. It's not like, well, at some point, you know, like this is all going to come together, even though that is a bit of an idea of the second coming. But it's like, no, the, the kingdom is at hand. It's here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so with people now, like, uh, again, like going back to Chester, it's this whole thing. Like, it's not like at some point you'll be good enough. It's not like, well, we'll love you because we see your potential. And we see that you'll eventually be this thing. We're just going to get these things worked out or... You know, it's not a past thing. And it's not a future thing. It's like this present thing. It's yeah. like there's beauty here now. And so going back to the guy in his garden, it's like you're not smart and you're not great. And you're not all these things because what you're doing, they're going to do. Right. It's like, it's where you are at right now. Yeah. You know, and I think it's not like in denial of, of, I think that's the part people can get caught up in. Like, just accept it. Just accept people fully. It was like, no, it's not really an acceptance of like what you're doing. Like maybe you are doing something wrong. Where it's like, no, that's that's not quite right. But it's it's more accepting the fact that you will, I don't know, are capable of, of, of coming or acting out truth, but, I guess, you know? I would, wouldn't you say it's, it's more of an acceptance of man as man. Man as imperfect. Yeah. And yeah, so I think when, that's true. So when we, like, I was telling Garth before this, I went and uh, a couple months ago was out at this bar on a Sunday and the owner of the bar was there and he super, super uh, hospitable and just was like, he, he had this crock pot and on Sundays, anybody who comes into his bar can eat, uh, you know, a free lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was just, it's kind of this bar out in the middle of nowhere. And he was just super kind to my friend and I, and and then, and then he starts, like, so we're talking with him for a while. And it's really fun. It's like, you know, just so grateful you guys are here. Like, eat as much as you want um, and come back next Sunday. Like, like tell all your friends kind of thing. We're just glad you're here. And then, and then we're sitting there, and all of a sudden he starts kind of making some off-color jokes. And uh, my friend kind of started to get a little, like, uh, this is, this is kind of not cool. And I guess... I guess for me, like we went outside for a little bit and we came back in and I kept on talking to him and it's just like, that's, I love that guy. Like he's being, yeah, maybe, maybe some of those things are not (laughs) things that he should be saying, but I'm not going to correct him right then and there while I'm a guest in his bar. And I don't know. I I guess, or maybe, maybe what I, I think is like that leaves room for me to love him. 
Yeah. To love, it's the inconsistency of a person that leaves room for you to love them. If they're completely consistent all the way through, it's kind of like, there's no room for me then. There's no, no room for me to, I don't know. And, and for me, like what I hear in Chesterton as he's critiquing Shaw is that he's going like, man, can't you just love man for who he is? This imperfect, inconsistent being. And can't you just revel in that for a second instead of always looking to and and like the charm of it is sort of in its its inconsistency and fragility. Yeah. It's like, it's not like you're perfect that allows you to love. It's kind of in in spite of that or almost because I guess that's kind of, that's a, that's for Nate Brown, isn't it? The gifts of imperfection. It's like, your vulnerabilities are, you know, opportunities for people to love you. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. It's like you express your vulnerabilities, your insufficiencies, and by doing so, you give people opportunity to, yeah, to love you. Which I think there's truth in that. But also just like, yeah, you don't love people because they are perfect. But I mean, that's why it's so hard for people to love me is I'm just so perfect. <laughs> I have no problems. You know? <laughs> okay, exactly. Okay, so you got anything else on Chesterton, or should we move on to our story about about uh, tubing? Uh, you, just that, I mean, just to close, I guess, with that idea, it's just been running over and over in my mind. Of It sort of is like the okayness of, of you at some level, but in a much more charming way than just like, just accept yourself. I'm like, well, no, like, look around you. It's like, there are great things happening all the time. You know, what's happening in your world? It's like... You, know, you can find the world's secrets by being in your own garden, not because you traveled it, or right. You know, um, to know the depth of, of like one thing or one person is to kind of know, you know, more than just knowing everything. And um, well, and, and I guess that's what I'm wanting to to do also as I'm reading. Like, okay, I feel like Chesterton is becoming a like an author and a writer that it's like I would like to know the to know world. him well. I'd like to know Tillich really well. I'd like to know, you know, these handful, instead of like, instead of kind of being a jack of all trades and a whole bunch of like different authors, as I'm, as I'm kind of learning these days, it's like, no, I I really want to know what is the nugget of, on which uh, everything that they're writing kind of revolves around. And here's uh, a you just reminded me this part. Did we talk about the blacksmith last time? I think we did, didn't we? (laughs) I think we did. (laughs) Well, I I guess that's just kind of the theme, like over and over and over again. That's uh, that's why I like it, though. I know, right? That's that's well, the Rolling Stone to me is is the same thing too. Of like, yeah, like okay, so so the the old proverb is um, Rolling Stone Stone gathers no moss, and then. So you can apply that to so many things. Like you could apply that to like reading. Like if you're just bouncing around all these different but authors that's, all but the it's time, maybe the not... good thing. Like you don't want to gather moss. You get lazy. You get this. You get whatever. And that's kind of the idea of like it's better to be. I mean, that's correct, isn't it? Like the idea is to keep yourself moving. You're active. You're going this, and then you never get stale, and you never get well. I think you rusty. can. I think you can argue like the benefit of both ways. As for me, I would rather collect moss. Yeah. Well, which I think is the point that he's trying to make, yeah. which is the kind of paradox of like right. Rolling Stone gathers no moss, you know, keep moving. 
Yeah. But then at the same time, I guess, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that saying well enough. But then there's that idea, like you said, of like there's that silent growth of moss, you know, the rock clanging around, just rolling off of other rocks and make a big noise. And you think so much life and energy is coming from it. But actually, it's like it's the moss that's quietly growing that is really bringing life. Well, and his point is, but actually the rolling stone is dead. Yeah, that too. <laughs> it's just a noise. It's a clinging symbol. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to, to finish off, uh, what I was saying is he talks at one point, um, this guy says to him, like, he, uh, I think he gives him a book and Chesterton is given a book by a man and the man's like, you won't get any of your damn mysticism out of this. And it's about a guy named Mr. Smith. And he's like, are you kidding me? It's like the blacksmith. Oh, absolutely full of like mystical and, you know, wonderful ideas and poetry. Yeah. And like sort of myth. And he talks about like, just, uh, let's see, here we go. Um, even the village children feel that in some dim way the smith is poetic, as the grocer and the cobbler are not poetic, when they feast on the dancing sparks and deafening blows in the caverns of that creative violence. The, the brute repose of nature, the passionate cutting of man, the strongest of earthly metals, the weirdest of earthly elements, the unconquerable iron subdued by its only conqueror, the wheel and the plowshare, the sword and the steam hammer, the arraying of armies, and the whole legend of arms. All these things are written, briefly indeed, but quite legibly on the visiting card of Mr. Smith. And he goes on to talk about, like, every king knows that uh, that his champion is a smith. You know what I mean? <laughs> the one who actually arrays his army. Um, yeah, and who made his crown. <laughs> from the darkest dawn of his history, this clan has gone forth to battle. Its trophies are on every hand. Mm. Its name is everywhere. It is older than nations, and it's the sign, oh, it's sign, is the hammer of Thor. <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah, exactly. It's like, but that's like life. Like you can do that. Like there's beautiful things, you know? Well, right. He says there's, uh, there's nothing uninteresting, only uninterested yeah. people. That's exactly, that's the opening. Uh, there's no such thing on earth as an uninteresting subject. The only thing that can exist is an uninterested person. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think it's so true. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's so, just that idea. That that idea I love about Chesterton, and I'm just wanting to re like <laughs> state over and over and over again. Like, there's so much going on. There's so many interesting things. Like, are you looking? Yeah. yeah. But in you, and I think there's the there's the temptation to view yourself like said, it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Like we in our law at some level, we we view people as being divine that they're complex, that there's like so much value to them, and we don't look at ourselves that way. We don't look at ourselves with any interest. You know, we don't look at ourselves as doing anything or, you know, having that much of value unless you go outside and attach all these things onto yourself. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. And it's like, no, look around you, you know, look at yourself, spend that time. And then, but even the, the simple things around you, like the garden, you know, your job, what's going on. There's so much beauty in that. There's so much poetic beauty in it. Yeah. And to really just look at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the poetic beauty of yes. uh going inner tubing two days in a row Oof. yeah that, <laughs> it was fun the first day it was really fun i popped my popped my tire um or my tube um but then we just it was on sunday that was on sunday and so that was a good time like we finished up and came back and, and had then to, had to ride th three to two tubes yeah. yeah let's talk about a lack of empathy from tyler <laughs> so i went up with uh with two friends well roommates um tyler and then francesca a friend of ours and I pop my, like, I pop my, uh, my tube on a very sharp tree, okay? And I tried hard to get out of it, but 
But there's just this sense, there's just no sympathy whatsoever from Tyler and Francesca. And so they just zip down the river, and I have to, this river's like, what, two feet at points? Through most of it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, like, keep as much air as possible, so I don't hit off every rock. But literally the whole way down, it's just... It's like catching every rock. It's going to, like, blow people's ears. I'm down. sorry. I should have warned you. Let's turn that down. Moving over here. I'm just hitting every single rock the whole way down. And uh, Tyler just keeps going. And at one point, I'm laughing because it is very funny. Because <laughs> it's kind of painful at the same time. But... Um, Tyler's no sympathy, but before I'm like, guys, like, no joke, like, we have to stop. Like, we have to stop. I cannot do this <laughs> yeah, the rest, was, like, half mile. I could see it in his face that he was like, you have to I'm not me. joking. <laughs> and he, like, still very reluctantly, reluctantly decided to actually stop. So anyway, so that's how that ended. Um, and Tyler had his own experience right away, and you got to know exactly how bad it was when you lost oh, your right. trip. Uh, so then on Monday, we, yeah. you know, we're sitting around thinking about going to work, getting stuff done, and then it's like, oh, let's just go tube again. Yeah. <laughs> Which was cool. Memorial okay, so, Day. All right, so, so we go, uh, yesterday we go pick up uh, pick up some Miller Lights. This time it's just Garth and I mm-hmm. having, a, having a bro date, going down the river. Pick up some Miller Lights. Almost right away, though, I... I go into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Within, like, I, two minutes. Not even that. Yeah. And luckily my tube didn't pop, but I kind of, I fell out of it and lost, uh, all but one of the beers. Yeah. And you got to experience my, my, and of like going over so, like a foot of water oh, over right. just rocks. Yeah. Which did hurt pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, then what, okay. So then the tube so, is caught under the tree, so I have to wade back up river to get it. And. Oh yeah. And, and I catch two of the ones coming down or three of the ones coming down. Cause we have like. Six beers total, I have one in my hand, he has one in his hand, and then four. And somehow, I grab like three of them, but we lost one. Yeah, so we, we lost one at that point. Then a little a little ways down the river, Garth has got two in his fists, and he's trying to paddle, and you drop one of them. Yeah, one slides out. One yeah. slides out. But then I am downstream of you at that point, exactly. and I Hawkeye... Yeah, like, like, it's like, it, yeah, there's I'm two hunting, ways it can go between. For it. The river goes, like, and two I, different ways, and you just stand in the middle looking. He yeah, just snags it. I snag it out of the river. So we get one back. So we have our original five beers. Mm-hmm. We stop at uh, various points, like Pinky Square. Oh, the infamous Pinky Square Beach, of course. Pinky Square Beach. Yeah. Which we'll be going back to in 20 years. Fact. And, uh... Then, um, we just keep stopping, but we just kind of like, yeah, you know, different things happen, going through the river, having a good time, you know, yeah. laughing about this, just talking about life. Like we just made a sweet time of it the whole time, just not like getting down at all. And we don't even think about the beer. Don't even think it's about like the gone lost, from a lost beer. Yeah. It is the lost beer. So we're going down probably like an hour and a half, maybe later. We're coming down to the, one of the last corners before we get to the bridge. And Tyler very decisively is like, let's stop here. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's kind of a cool corner. It's like kind of like shale or whatever that weird like layered rock is and just looks cool and like look up the river it'd be gorgeous great spot so we stop we pull up we start we crack open our our final beer beer. our fifth beer to share yeah pour out a little drink offering yep for the homies who couldn't be there (laughs) and uh right as we're taking a drink I look over and 20 feet away is the sixth beer beer just floating in the shallows yeah Waiting for us. Perfect. I couldn't believe it. 
I lost my, I was like, no way, <laughs> no way. And he's just sitting over there. And sure enough, I was like, I, I couldn't believe that. I was absolutely stunned. It's just sitting right there. It was one with, of the greatest. Right where we decided to stop waiting for us. Greatest experiences of my life. And it was actually pretty cool. It was like cool because it was in the water. So yeah. it still maintained its like its refrigerated properties. Yeah, it was awesome. That was unbelievable. I can't believe it. So, okay, our, our uh, takeaway from it was that sometimes, sometimes yep. you lose something. Sometimes there's a moment gotta, where you have to take action. You gotta like, take action and really yeah. be a hot. We knew it had to like, be right here. The beer, the first time we dropped one, like it was gonna be within this 50 yard stretch. Yep. And so Tyler watched the logical area. We were vigilant and yep. snagged it. Snagged it out. And, uh. Took matters in my own hand mm-hmm. and got it. Yep. And then sometimes, you if you love go. a beer, if you love a beer, let it go. That's if right. If it comes back to you, it was meant to be. Yeah. Grace. And God, and God was graceful to Grace. us that day. Amen. That idea was just like, you didn't deserve that. We did nothing to earn that. (laughs) Beer was gone. Just floating down there. We actually didn't deserve it. Yeah, we didn't deserve it anyway. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. It's this idea of just, it was there. And we received it. We accepted it. What is it? We accepted accepted the acceptance. acceptance. (laughs) We accepted the acceptance. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Um, And that might be the last float. I don't know. We could go again today. (laughs) <laughs> Go for I, not? I really, I have to get to work. I have a show this Friday uh, at the gallery, so I actually need to go. <laughs> should go, go do some work. Probably should go do some work. But yeah. well, thanks for listening. Whoever you're listening. Yep, and uh, be good to yourselves. <laughs>